You're tuned in to Down to Earth with Associate Professor Kurt Iverson and Alex Pye. Brought to you by 42 Below. They're keeping our planet pure to keep their vodka pure. One harebrained eco-friendly scheme after another. Be on the lookout in Sydney bars for their eco soap made from recycled cocktail lemons. Head to facebook.com slash 42 below for the full story. Proud sponsor of FBI Radio. Welcome back, Kurt. Yeah, hey. So great to have you here. It's nice to be here indeed. Today we're just going to talk fiction. Yep, we're going to talk fiction. Make it up as we go along. <laughs> no, look, we're heading into the world of fiction and in particular there's a bunch of novelists who are starting to write about environmental issues, um, but not in a non-fiction way. They're writing adventure kind of stories about it. This new emerging type of fiction called cli-fi. Yeah, it turns out cli-fi is a thing, right? So, and it's only just come across my radar recently as a thing. Like I was in the middle of reading a couple of these books and got talking in the tea room with a couple of my geography buddies at Sydney Uni. And they're like, oh yeah, that's cli-fi. And I'm like, that's a thing. How really? did you find yeah, out about that's them? That's a thing. Well, this is just, you know, a couple of the books I'm about to talk about in a minute um, are books that I had just picked up on a recommendation from somebody because mm-hmm. I've got a bit of a, you know shameful habit of reading sci-fi books to unwind. Um, and uh, it turns out a few of the kind of science fiction writers have started turning their attention to sort of imagining futures and particularly imagining kind of climate change to futures uh, and climate change politics and different social possibilities as we start to live with rising sea levels and global warming and remember, all that sort of stuff. Do you remember, like when I was a kid in the 90s, it felt like every blockbuster film that came out was exploring some kind of environmental disaster. We were obsessed with watching yeah. films about cities being eaten up by earthquakes or volcanoes or tidal waves, and they were all tied in. Yeah, exactly. And so that's it. And if you think about it, that's right. There's like, as well as that sort of sci-fi background to this stuff, I guess, as you say, there's this long history of us having these kind of, you know, disaster movies and disaster books to to kind of think about. But as you say, it just got to a point in the 90s and the 2000s too, where some of those disasters are kind of attached to our discussions around climate change. And I mean, the most obvious one that was the big one at the time, wasn't it, was that Day After Tomorrow movie that sort of came out and you know like you say when I was a kid all the movies that were coming out about disasters were like nuclear holocaust movies etc and now it's like Gulfstream collapse you know sudden arctic freezing blah 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 that sort of happens in day after tomorrow so yeah as you say it's starting to make it into sort of popular culture in movies and yeah, fiction and all sorts of ways. it's just interesting that the movies have sort of backed off slightly because I guess we've just gone into another trend but yeah. the world of fiction is is picking up yeah where they left off. yeah that's right so uh, that's it so I thought today we could just uh yeah you know get into a couple of examples of cli-fi um uh, because I think you know they do have something to say that the kind of social science stuff that is my comfort zone, you know, I can't really get to grips with in a way, which is just actually really sometimes we're very good in, you know, universities at, you know, identifying problems and, you know, developing new knowledge, but not necessarily always so brilliant with the imagination and thinking about the implications of that knowledge and how we might live with it in the future, etc. So, yeah, we can get into a couple of examples. I imagine there's probably like a lot of bad books circulating in this and this kind of um, new genre, but mm-hmm. you've got you've got a couple that you want to focus on. Yeah, today. look, so the, the better ones. Yeah, I reckon the better ones. And look, the first one that we can talk about is actually a trilogy of books that was written by a guy called Kim Stanley Robinson. Now, he is a very kind of, you know, award-winning sci-fi writer, for those of you who are into your science fiction. Um, And he made his name with his big trilogy in the 90s about humans terraforming on Mars. But then he turned his attention to Earth, I guess, much more explicitly with this um, trilogy called Science in the Capital. 
So what goes on in this one? Yeah, I know. It doesn't sound so sexy, does it? Science in the Capital. But look, it's a trilogy of books. Um, the first one's called, um, what have we got here? It's 40 Degrees of Rain. Um, and then, you know, um, it makes its way through the rest of the trilogy. But the series is set in Washington, D.C. Yep. in the near future. And the thing that having just been rereading a bit of it recently that is kind of spooky is that the key event that sort of happens at the end of the first book is a massive kind of, you know, climate change induced flood in Washington, D.C. that finally shakes things up in the sort of politics of American environmental policy. But it really follows this trilogy, three sets of characters, one group of scientists who are working for the National Science Foundation, one group of people who are working in kind of politics in Washington, D.C., trying to get, you know, environmental change through the system. And then this other group of people who are kind of refugees from a fictional island called Kembalong that's um, been inundated by sea level rise who found themselves in Washington, D.C., trying to sort of lobby the American government and uh, UN, et cetera, et cetera, to do something about uh, sea level rise to save you know, islands like themselves. Right now, the Caribbean's being hit by one of the largest recorded hurricanes on yeah. Earth. I only know just because I got a tiny update on my phone at work yesterday, yep, yep. but there's like 300k winds lashing the yeah, Caribbean. Yeah, highest, highest uh, recorded winds so of this, any of these So this hurricanes. kind of thing is, is fiction, but it's also real life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what, um, what I think is really great about this series and... This guy's a really good writer, right? Quality writer. So he can make what I'm probably not going to sound very sexy actually really fun reading. But all these characters in their different ways are really struggling with the system, right? And trying to make change from their different positions in the world, either as scientists who are gathering data about I this stuff. I can see how it's gotten you in, Kurt. See? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the, the real struggle for the scientist characters is exactly that, for example. And I think it's something that, you know, people like me at unis are always worrying about, which is... It's kind of like we've got beyond the point of needing to know more about what's happening in some ways with a lot of this stuff. You know, the, the key science is kind of locked in in some ways. Like yeah. we kind of get that, even though it's very complex, that human-induced climate change is a thing. We're about to get that next Inconvenient Truth yeah. movie, yeah. but I think it won't be quite as shocking as the first one because, as you're saying, it's common headlines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's right. And I especially think within the, as you say, within the science community, etc. you know, there's this sense in which we can keep doing more research to prove it, but like if the research isn't changing anything, like then what do we do? Mm. So the struggle of these scientists who suddenly start thinking, you know, maybe we don't need just to be doing more research. Maybe we also need to be collectivizing and thinking about how we can make that research actually count. Um, and then just all the constraints that these, you know, as people are coming at them with millions of dollars from, you know, big pharma saying, actually, if you do your research and just sell it to us for, heaps of money and keep it private. We could use it to make money on all these patents and blah, blah, blah. So all the temptations that are put in the scientist road, all the challenges of then trying to deal with politicians who are saying, well, that's just your opinion, man. Uh, well, and just to recap, Kurt out professor is in today on Down to Earth. We're talking about Cli-Fi, um, which is a new emerging branch of science fiction looking at climate change. And I just wanted to recap because it doesn't actually sound as though we're talking about fiction at all. No, right no. Now, where you're branched off into. And, and that is why you're so into it and you think it's so poignant to be. Yeah, 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 right yeah, exactly. And so I think it does really, as I say, without wanting to give too much uh, away in the ending, just you work your way through these three books 40 Signs of Rain, 50 Degrees Below, and then 60 Days and Counting. And um, yeah, it's just, it is that thing that it's a speculative future. And it was all written a decade ago, um, actually, when a lot of this stuff wasn't, as you say, as taken for granted as it is now. 
Um, and it's sort of spookily prescient in some ways, but also just really thought provoking for those of us that are trying to do something um, to, you know, to mitigate um, the excesses of our economy and our society and what it's doing to our environment. And so, Kurt, what we're going to talk about in the second half is some of the insights that these novels, even ones that were written 10 years ago, can give us into our present day situation and the ways that we can be thinking about being a little bit more proactive. You're tuned in to Down to Earth with Associate Professor Kurt Iverson and Alex Pye. Brought to you by 42 Below. They're keeping our planet pure to keep their vodka pure. One harebrained eco-friendly scheme after another. Be on the lookout in Sydney bars for their eco-soap made from recycled cocktail lemons. Head to facebook.com slash 42 below for the full story. Proud sponsor of FBI Radio. Professor Kurt Iveson is in. And it's the first book club episode that we've ever had of Down to Earth. He's sharing a uh, fiction genre that he's recently uh, discovered through word of mouth or whatever, but it's called cli-fi. And within this genre, it's looking at environmental catastrophes and what people are doing about them, but not in a non-fiction sense. These are people writing fiction novels about Mm -hmm. it. Um, Sam Groth from Lunch balanced in and she said that she read a book called Clade, which she thinks fits nicely into this genre. Um, If anybody else has already written or already uh, read some cli-fi and wants to text in their books, um, we'd love to share them and really get this genre off the ground. So you can text in 0409-945-945. Look, some of these books are pretty dystopian and pretty upsetting. You just picked up at A School Fate a copy of The Road, which is a film that I've just never been able to finish. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's another one of those books that Cormac McCarthy thing that's often, you know, cited as a kind of classic in this sort of genre. Uh, and as you say, really dystopian. I haven't read it yet, but uh, knowing enough about the movie to know that it was hard going for lots of folks. Tough. But um, it's not all like that. Uh, and even though, as you say, you know, a lot of the speculations about futures with climate change, etc., are really dystopian, the, the one I wanted to talk about now is one that's a bit more utopian, a bit more hopeful, finally. Um so that is a book by Cory Doctorow. It's called Walk Away. And Cory Doctorow is an interesting kind of character. He sort of moves between fiction and nonfiction. Uh, and he started that website called Boing Boing. He's a kind of, you know, internet tech writer, but also a sort of sci-fi writer as well. But um, this new book of his sort of gets into a bit of climate change fiction as well. So how's he approach it, Kurt? Well, uh the setting, I guess, is pretty dystopian, right? Set 100 years or so into the future in a kind of climate change North America. Uh, rampant inequality, technological surveillance, labour displacing technologies, uh, putting people out of work. But it's this is set in the future, change. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So again, you know, you can see obvious um, commentary on, you know, contemporary America um, in that sort of story. Mm. But uh, the walk away of the title actually refers to the what's going on in this society, which is uh, as inequality gets that bad, as things get uh, so polluted and uh, climate changed, large numbers of people just start walking away, occupying abandoned spaces, polluted spaces, and establishing kind of new societies and new little collectivities outside of the formal economy, outside of the formal political system, and thinking we're going to walk away from society and start a new one. And so how did they... How did they go about doing this? Well, look, it's this is the thing about this. So this guy who's done, you know, he's a really interesting thinker. So he's done his homework about the sort of science of climate change and what, you know, life and I the environment's meant to be like. For somebody like you to be so into this book, they'd have to get 
their yeah. facts straight. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It sort of does drive you crazy when you come across some of these things and think, well, that's just a little bit out there in mm. terms of, you know, lots of sort of pseudoscience or whatever. But um, yeah, both of these sets, like the Kim Stanley Robinson from before and Cory Doctorow, you know, they're both really done their homework about sort of technology, climate change, science, etc. And so Cory Doctorow has envisioned, envisioned these societies working. Yeah. So look, he's got this, you know, it's it's an attempt, I guess, to think about how you would respond um to that situation, but using and hacking the kind of technologies that we have available to us to see if we could build a new world if they were repurposed and put uh, to another use. So the key protagonists in this story are the three people in their 20s who decide they've had enough and sort of walk away, as it were, and then find themselves just sort of, you know, moving through the book, uh, coming across these different collectives in these kind of walkaway spaces um, who are all, you know, using 3D printing to sort of, you know, construct just their little houses and little forms of collective living who are using drones to sort of scour their immediate landscapes for sort of recyclable materials and things that can be put back to work in their little collectives uh, and who are all kind of networked with one another as well and sharing, you know, plans, sharing uh, programs for how they can sort of live together slightly differently outside of the formal economy. Um, so all yeah. these buzzwords are kind of being put into use. So repurposing and, and hacking and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very much a kind of, you know, a kind of techno hacker geeky kind of, you know, imagining of a alternative world. Um, but like within that, I just think the stuff that really speaks to our, our present so directly about this story is as much the way that he thinks about work and what work means, right? That we have this kind of weird situation in our economies where we're, um, you know, we're uh, on the one hand worried about the future of work because so much stuff is being automated. Um, but on the other hand, you know, completely dependent on work for an income and to actually survive. And it's kind of like, well, what would it be to actually imagine a society where if the work was done by machines and we didn't have to do it for money, what would it be like for us? How would we organise our worlds together? Well, we sort what of would touched we upon work? this a few weeks ago with universal basic income. It yeah. all kind of ties together, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 it does. So that's that's right. So I think this is um, this is really interesting, really interesting sort of set of reflections in this story along the way about that. And like, if anything, compared to that other trilogy, I feel like this book does sometimes feel like you're reading some of Cory Doctorow's blog entries, right? Uh, the, where characters give these sort of three-page speeches about you know, ethics and work and why we work without reward and why we don't need individual pats on the back to feel like we're doing something useful in society, blah, blah, blah. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it gets a bit, it gets a bit preachy at times, but it's, you know, it's really fast moving and, um, and definitely, definitely worth a read. And as I say, I think the thing that is also cool about it is this attempt to actually imagine a better future, right? Um, and to think about the world we're in right now and how it could be made better. And I think this is the thing that, you know, good old Slavoj Žižek, but he always sort of talks about this, right? That in this genre, it's almost easier to imagine the end of the world than it is to imagine the end of capitalism. And Dr. O kind of picks on that and says, well, all right, let's just imagine the end of capitalism for a second here and what that might look like rather than just the dystopian mm, hurricane flood. may not necessarily mean freezing. the end of the world. That's right. may mean the beginning of a new one. So uh, that's the sort of challenge he throws out there for us in this book and Again, artificial intelligence, drones, 3D printing, it's all in there. This has been the best down-to-earth book club that we have ever had. And the uh, only down-to-earth book club we've exactly. ever had, so there we go. Um, it's in the top three. So we're looking at cli-fi, this emerging genre, um, looking at, yeah, climate science, uh, the end of the world. And in this uh, particular example, um, looking at more of a utopian element of it. So this book, this 
this was by Corey Doctorow. What was oh, Walk Away? Yeah, um, yeah. You can grab these ones for free if you're yeah, interested. Yeah, Corey Doctorow, he's, one of his things in the world is that he's really down on copyright. Uh, and so he's actually managed to do this deal with his publisher where he puts all of his books online as PDFs for free. Because uh, he says my problem is obscurity, not piracy. So he wants people to read his books. So they're all out there for free. So you can download it. And if you really love it when you download it, he's like, well, buy a copy for your local library or your local school or something like that. So, uh, yeah, you can check out Walk Away for free if you're so inclined, and some of his other books, which are cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll get our super producer Maria to pop up a list of some of these Clifi books that we have mentioned and a couple of other uh, writers that you think are worth uh, giving a nod to. We'll stick those up on the morning's Facebook page. So look us up on Facebook and, and follow us. Stay updated on the program. Uh, Margaret Atwood, who is really kind of known for her poetry, um, she gets into this genre as well. Yeah, well, you know, we're all... Everybody's talking about her because of the Handmaiden's Tale. It's been on SBS recently that apparently I haven't watched that either, but like lots of friends have and they're telling me I really need to. But um, yeah, in a lot of lists of the Cli-Fi stuff that I've sort of come across, her book, The Year of the Flood, gets a name check. So that's sort of next mm. on my list to check out. Um, we had so, a text yeah. in on 0409 945 945. Wind Up Girl, a Cli-Fi book set in Thailand. Have you heard of that one? Oh, no, I haven't. Check that one out. Awesome. We'll, we'll pop that on the list. Yep. And uh, and if you get into the Kim Stanley Robinson thing as well, he's got a brand new one out this year called New York 2140, which again, just set in New York in 2140 when Manhattan is 50 feet underwater compared to what it is right now. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's more and more of these things popping out there. So as you say, if other people text in, we can put them up on the page and... I get to check some new ones out that I hadn't heard of, yep. too, which is great. It's the end of the world, and people are writing some really interesting books about it. Um, this has been Down to Earth with Professor Kurt Iveson. We look forward to chatting to you again in another couple of weeks. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks. Cheers, Kurt. This is Down to Earth with Associate Professor Kurt Iverson and Alex Pye. Brought to you by 42 Below. Keeping our planet pure to keep their vodka pure. Sponsoring FBI Radio.